you surprised me. I didn't expect you to click on that play button. Give me a moment to put a robe on. When you tell your friends about this, please don't tell them you were reminded of the love child of Chewbacca and the Michelin Man, even if you were. We're jumping right in because today's story is a longish one for this podcast, coming in at over 1,000 words. I remember writing this on a Thanksgiving night. It must have been more than 10 years ago. This has nothing to do with anything, just thought I'd say. Believe me when I tell you, Tahiti Screams. Tahiti Screams by Matthew Sanborn Smith. The magazine had flopped open to an article about a small group of people who had formed an organization dedicated to eating Peruvian tree bark. Dennis glanced through this until he let the issue fall back down to the side table. Past the heads of the other patients, he lost his eyes in the wood-paneled wall for a while and absorbed this bizarrest of articles. There are people who dedicate themselves to eating Peruvian tree bark, he murmured. And here I sit in a waiting room trying to get approved for some new disease. I'm sorry, said the red-headed woman to his right. She had corralled her little one between her outstretched legs, and only now that she looked at him did Dennis realize how very beautiful her eyes were. My God, he asked her. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with what? she asked, drawing her daughter closer. He put his hand on her shoulder, very un-Dennis-like, and looked into her green eyes. I'll never see you again. Take care of yourself, he said. He left the woman and the office and took the grimy yellow elevator down to the second floor. He took the stairs down from there. Hard soles slapped the gritty concrete outside with a rhythm that brought his thoughts into line. All the heads on the street turned to face him, blown his way by a soft October breeze. Not a one looked familiar. He considered all the people he knew in the city and wondered if he had any unfinished business with any of them. Not a damn thing came to mind. His bills were paid, his obligations were met. The lint in his pockets felt bumpy on his fingertips. What about the women? Weren't there any, for the love of God, that he wanted to sleep with? No, came the voice on a cool gale that wailed through his stomach. He wanted revenge on no one and felt sad for that. Thirty-three years and his life held no passion for him. No excitement, no romance, no sense of joy. Hell, not even hatred or jealousy or rage. Was something wrong with him or was something wrong with his life? Tahiti. The word flashed in his mind. No, the concept screamed through his flesh unbidden. Dennis had a vision of a beautiful bare-breasted Polynesian lovely sinking longingly into his arms after he had killed a shark with his bare hands. And he smiled. That could work. He hailed a cab. There was an old woman driving, wrapped in a babushka, as if she had just arrived from Armenia. He flopped into her back seat with an eruption of dust and inhaled a mildewy stench like it was a grove of orange blossoms. Take me to Tahiti, he said. She pulled out onto the street. Let me tell you about the world, the cabbie said. The world has just altered. You are at large within it, and it has taken notice. No ordinary things will ever happen to you again. That's what I'm hoping for, he said. She stopped to let a herd of goats cross at the intersection. While they waited, she pointed out and up. Look, she beckoned. The space scrapers of steel and blue glass had suddenly turned to pale yellow and dark red stone. Single pieces as if towers of rock stood here from man's earliest ascension, and he had carved these monoliths from within to be his structures. The faces beyond the vinyl car door were all black now. They floated above bodies long and thin, which were draped in exotic and weird fashions. He drank in a woman whose face was pierced fifty times and who wore the thinnest of golden rings dripping from each puncture. A triangular sail of royal blue silk sprang from the collar of her dress and fluttered behind her head while the glittering rings waved in the autumn wind. You haven't looked before, the Armenian woman said to him, in response to nothing he'd asked. I want to find my life, cabbie. 
I want to look around me and know that I'm really living. I want to make love to a magnificent woman in some out-of-the-way bedroom overlooking the streets of Portugal. I want to feel comfortable with myself among strangers. I want to feel my blood pumping as the cold washes over me atop a mountain or on the open ocean. Help me, cabby. He capitalized it in his voice, decided that cabby was her name now. For the love of everything that's sacred, help me. There's an extra ten in it for you. She reached a thick, chewed-nailed hand back over her shoulder and waited until he fished a ten spot from his pocket and stuffed it into her greedy paw. After a glance, the bill disappeared between her legs. She stopped the cab in the middle of the road, shut the damn thing off and turned, looked him straight in the eye and said, Will it? Will it? Those red-rimmed eyes nearly popped from their sockets when she spoke. He willed it. And Dennis felt the change as if flipping a toggle switch. In one deep breath, he savored the feel of the air sweeping down his windpipe, overfilling his lungs before he let it rush out with a whoosh. The transformed man stepped from the vehicle, looking through the strange faces all about him. Within seconds, he felt the heat of contact in one smooth round face. Dennis went to her, took her face in his hands, and kissed her more passionately than he had any woman he had ever known. He was oblivious to her lady friend who cursed a red storm of protest. This woman, in his arms, kissed back, like he knew she would, and after covering her long, succulent neck with kisses, he pulled back shivering, while she drew her sharp orange fingernails down his chest and stomach. How do I call you, he asked. Kitty-kitty, she sang like a bird. He stepped back, not at all embarrassed by his raging erection, and moved on through the crowd. He could kill sharks from this state of being. Of that there was no doubt. I hope that put you in a shark-killing mood. No sharks better be coming around my house today if they know it's good for them. You can zoom through something very like this story and others at my Space Ranger blog, the1000.blogspot.com, or absorb it through osmosis right here at bewarethehairymango.com until you are one with the word. Be known in electric stasis forever for your feelings and opinions and blathering, either on the comments for this post or in an email to me at matthew at bewarethehairymango.com. Hammer the thing over there to subscribe to this podcast or do it at iTunes right there in the street with everyone watching. Write a song about this podcast and sing it to all of your friends. I hope it goes to number one. Saturate my being with your hard-earned lucre by tap-tap-tapping all over my donate button. You are exquisite. This podcast swims from the depths of a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 United States license. This is Matthew Sanborn Smith, Man About Suburbs, saying idle hands are the devil's playthings. So you're not just fondling yourself, you're fighting Satan. Be proud. Good night.